Blessed be the name of the Lord. Our God is greater. Amen. And if he's for us, then who or what can be against us? Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. My, what an anointing this morning. What a power to go forth in the word now. We just open our hearts to receive from God. I know he has something for us. Let him speak to your heart today. Let him reveal himself to you. Just say, Lord, come by my way. Minister to my heart. God bless you. Thank you for coming. God bless you. Good to see you, Brother Gary and Sister Barbara here today, too. Each one of you that have gathered in his name, all the visitors in our midst, whoever you might be, God knows you. And he knows what need that you have. And he's able to minister to you on a very personal level. Just invite him to come to your pew today. Ask him to come by your way. Amen. Amen. We got a, we have Elijah Adams going to be baptized today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We want to thank the Lord for that been waiting since camp to be baptized they've had a little sickness in their home I hadn't been able to come but they're here this morning and able to be in the service of the Lord and obey the Lord now in water baptism that's what he said repent and then be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin I tell you if you do that completely and totally and thoroughly when you come up out of that water he'll fill you with the Holy Ghost that's what he did with Jesus. That's what he'll do with you. Amen. When we come there in obedience to the word of God, God will come right down and fill you with his presence. Amen. May he minister to you in a very special way today. Amen. Let's speak to the Lord. You take your need, whatever it is today. Hold it before the Lord and say, God, come by my way. I need you to minister directly to me. I need you to touch my heart. I hear that there's a living God. And the psalmist said, as we heard Wednesday night, we thirst for a living God. That's the only thing that can really satisfy the hunger and the thirst in a human heart is someone that is a living God. Let him minister to you today in a special way. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to worship you. We want to thank you. We want to express our, our appreciation for all your goodness, for your grace. Lord, we want to thank you for the wonderful report of the baptisms there in the Carolinas. Lord, we want to thank you for using our brother Joe and ministering through him. Lord, we thank you that out of this church is going forth ministries that are touching the hearts of many. Today, they're standing in the pulpit one way over in the west and Phoenix area and the other way over in the east in Virginia. I pray, Lord, you'll bless our brothers and bless them in a mighty way. But, Lord, don't forget us this morning because we, too, are gathered in your name. And not only us, but many that are listening in now from South Africa and different other places and, Lord, Africa and regions beyond, you know their needs and you're calling your bride to attention. And you're bringing an awakening in their hearts. And I pray, oh God, you'll just cause each one 
to be jolted from their doldrums, from their sleep, from their unbelief. And start believing today with all of their hearts. I pray, oh God, our faith will change. Oh God, will grow, will expand all the way into rapture and faith. We believe we're here on the cusp of it where the word of God is being fulfilled in this day, this hour. And I pray, Lord, that as the scriptures are being made alive, that you'll just reveal yourself to us. In Jesus' name, meet the needs of your people, Lord. They didn't lift a hand in vain. Because if we make a move towards you, we know you're going to move toward us. Because that's what you said, draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. So, Lord, today we draw nigh. We invite you. We know you keep your appointments. When you're invited, you come. And so, therefore, we're inviting you to come. Lord, not as an observer here today, but now that you will move the vessel and just move the human part out and let me move and be... Uh, speak as an oracle of God as you just move in me and speak through these lips. May, oh God, it be a life-changing day for many that in your presence today that they can know and experience your power, Lord. Lord, oh God, power from the unbelief of this age and power over the Laodicean darkness and power over sin and darkness Lord, power over sickness. I pray in the name of Jesus. May every spirit come under control of the Holy Spirit now as we surrender our own spirit to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. You'll turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3. I want to thank you for the, the wonderful songs and amen, the Revelation song. I love that, don't you? Amen. I believe that it's being fulfilled in our hour, our day, where that um, the Word of God is being manifested and now being manifested in your flesh and my flesh. May He just reveal Himself in you today. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought, if somebody say every thought, to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. We're going to speak today as we're following up the thought of, of a rapture in faith that we were speaking on in the last few weeks and um, leading the, the services leading up to that. Of course, as Brother Bradham told us, if we can't have healing faith, how in the world are we going to have rapture in faith? So we do believe that God has not only gave us healing faith, but we also believe that we have received rapture in faith. And I believe we have received an installment on that by God turning, revealing the mysteries and bringing us back to the gospel that Paul preached. 
But as we spoke last Sunday and just brought out one quote after another, after another, after another, after another, I'm sure you noticed that as we were, were bringing that down, that he spoke of another surge. He spoke of a refilling of the Holy Ghost. And I want you to know that um, as we speak today, we're going to be speaking on the weapons of our warfare are mighty. So, uh, again, I want you to remember that you have been born to be a conqueror. It's in your spiritual genetics. It's in your DNA. You were never born to be defeated. You were born to be an overcomer. You were born to fight for what you have. Amen. The, The Bible tells of our God that he's a mighty warrior. So therefore, if we are in his image and his likeness, we also are mighty warriors. So we are to be conquerors in this age where we're absolutely born of God to be conquerors. And 1 John 5 and 4 said, for whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. That means he's a conqueror. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So we see here that, again, that faith, of course, is the means by which we overcome the world and sin and the devil. He that is born of God is born into another sphere, and he has another sense, which is activated within him, which is called faith. And that faith is a super sense. And it's greater than what you can see or hear or feel or taste or or smell. But faith is supernatural. It's not natural at all. Just like as uh, Paul would say, the weapons of our warfare are not natural. They're not carnal. They're not natural. But they are supernatural. And because they're supernatural, they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Ever demonic power. Amen. And so faith is supernatural. Faith is the instrument, the spiritual armor and artillery by which we overcome. And so, we, so who are the conquerors of this evil world defeating this power? Those who believe. They are the conquerors. And the Bible said you can be certain that you belong to God and you have conquered them for the one who is living in you is far greater than the one who is in the world. And this is why the wrong teaching many times, like we've had the teachings of adoption, that is so faith-limiting that one day we're going to have an adopted church. One day there's coming a church of power. And one, one day that it's going to arrive, or one day you as an individual will finally get mature enough that you can put the devil out and you can put him on the run. But I want you to know the true adoption of of a son or daughter of God God in the body of Christ is it comes by receiving the Holy Spirit. It's receiving him and that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. So again, what we have is not faith limiting, but it actually unleashes our faith. And we have been placed as sons and daughters of God by the Holy Ghost. As he said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Amen. Now, the faith that we have as humans, we have a human faith, and it's limited to believe in only when circumstances allows it. But being born again, I now live by the faith of the Son of God. It is an unlimited faith. 
So when you're born again, you no longer have this limited faith that's limited to believe in when the circumstances are right. But you have an unlimited faith when the circumstances are all against you. Amen. The enemy is on every side and it looks like you are outnumbered. Amen. Your faith looks beyond what you can see in the carnal mind and it sees into the supernatural and it sees that there is more for us than there is against us. And besides that, if God be for us, then who can be against us? Amen. So faith, of course, that we have received is an unlimited faith. God does not like to be limited. Amen. This will make God very upset when men limited the Holy One of Israel. This is when God became very displeased with Israel when they limited God. I want you to know we have no rights to put a limit on our God. He's all powerful. Amen. He's all knowing. Amen. He is sufficient and more than sufficient. As, as he would say, I'm El Shaddai. I'm more than enough. I'm not just enough, I'm more than enough. You've got to see your God is not just equal to the task, but more than equal to the task. And because he is in you, then you are more than equal to the task because you too are unlimited. You have received an unlimited faith. This message in this day opens the whole book. It's unlimited. Amen. Faith is required for the rapture. We know that. No one can please God without it. The same faith that saved you is the same faith that will rapture you. Just more of it. Amen. For the Holy Ghost is the earnest or the first installment on the rapture. So it is the deposit or the first installment. But, but again, it's just more of it that we receive as the church leaves, as, as we reach the end, that the, the dynamics of this church will be a refilling of the Holy Ghost. That we've worked in a small measure, but it just comes with a more of it. For he calls it the full measure of God. We'll take and rapture that church and even resurrect the dead. So the same faith that heals you is the same faith that will change your body. For divine healing is the earnest of the resurrection. Now, to go into rapture, to be in the meeting in the air is going to require fighting through the atmospheres of darkness. Revelation 9 shows why there's so much evil in our age. As Revelation 9, 1 said, the fifth angel sounded and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there rose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by the reason of the smoke of the pit. And then we read where there's 200 million supernatural demons that are loosed into the atmosphere. And this is why America is changing. And this is why the world around you is getting darker and darker. It is a world gone crazy. Insanity on every hand that Brother Branham told us would come. Said it's coming a time of insanity upon the earth. I was just reading it here the other day. Um, it's uh, just recent in the news. From, they call it from transgendered now to transabled. People now wanting to identify as handicapped. This will allow doctors to, uh, to uh, treat these patients by 
amputating healthy limbs and snipping spinal cords or destroying the eyesight so they can mutilate themselves. You see, you see, it's demonic influences coming in on every side. And, and men and women who are perfectly healthy wanting to be disabled. And, and again, you know, to identify as handicapped. And, and doctors, uh, you know, what medication made to treat this insanity by snipping their spinal cord or, or by, or by uh, blinding them or, or, or t- cutting off healthy limbs. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, in this day and hour, we're receiving the mind of Christ. And instead of being mutilated, we're being restored. Amen. Instead of, instead of amputated arms, we're living in a day that missing limbs are going to come back again. Because that's the power of this word. Hallelujah. This is a day of restoration. This is a day where faith is a victory that overcomes I'd like you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'd like to just stop a moment and look at this. Faith is. Not faith was. Faith will be. But faith is present tense because God is faith. Is that right? Faith is of God and God is present tense. He is the I am that I am, not that I was or I will be. But the present tense, almighty God. Look at this. Faith is. Faith is now. Amen. It's like God. It's in present tense. To say one day we will have faith is not faith. Come on. Amen. You see, it's hope, not faith. To say one day it's going to happen is hope, not faith. Faith is present tense. Faith believes it now. Faith says right now I can have the blessing. Right now I can be healed. Amen. Today I don't have to wait another hour, another time. Right now is my day, my hour of salvation, my hour of deliverance. Faith is now. Faith is not timid. Faith is burly. Brother Branham said, I like to think of faith and hope and, and charity and, and the, those three things and hope. What a beautiful thing hope is. Little timid hope. Lovely and sweet as she is, yet she's the greatest enemy faith has. The greatest enemy face God is hope because a person comes so hopeful till they leave away from faith. Now faith, or he said, now hope will agree with the Bible. Hope will say it's true. Hope will say I believe every bit of it. I believe that that's the word of God and I believe God will keep his promises. Hope believes all of that. But then the hope says, now I believe God will heal, but look at my condition. You know, I know he's able, but look at my problem. Now, faith doesn't look at that. Faith comes around and said, I don't care nothing about conditions. God said so in its mind. You see, faith is burly. 
as I once said, faith has hair on its chest. When it stands up and pulls its big muscles out, everything else vanishes away, just flies away. When faith really takes hold, nothing else stands. Hallelujah. So you see, and by the way, I just quoted that from faith comes by hearing. So uh, just in case you thought I made it up. I do study the message, you know. But another enemy of faith is substituting either hope or mental agreement for real faith. A lot of people have a mental agreement or a mental assent. Yeah, I believe it's true. Yes, it's right. That's a mental assent. Amen. But, but you see, that's why so many people are defeated because they substitute faith for a hope or mental agreement. And they say, well, I'm hoping or I'm praying. The Bible does not say that God hears the prayer of hope. Amen. It said that the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Amen. That's when God hears is when a prayer is prayed in faith, not just hoping this is going to happen or hoping it's for me or hoping it is true or hoping it's for this age or hoping it's for now. Because, you know, hope wants to put it off. It's real timid. If, you know, if James said the prayer of hope would do it, we'd automatically have results. But Jesus taught whatsoever thing you desire when you pray, what? Believe. He didn't say hope. He said believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So believe, not hope that you receive. Hope is a human reaction. You may call it believing, but it don't make it so. Amen. A lot of people think they're believing when they're only hoping. Hope postpones victory. Faith says, I can have it now. Hope says, one day I can be healed. Faith says, I won't put up with that devil another night. Because faith is always now. You see, hope makes excuses and gives reason for why not now. You see, one day the bride, when she receives her power, one day when I'm fully matured, one day when the squeeze comes, some some are so foolish to even say one day when Brother Branham comes back. So you see, but faith is not, faith is not hope at all, but rather faith is a substance. It's the genuine article of what you're hoping for. It is the evidence of what you cannot see. Faith, though you can't see it, if you've got faith, it's the evidence. You don't need any more. You're not waiting to see it. Faith already says it's now. Now, so faith is the evidence of what you cannot see. By the, verse 2 said, for by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So faith creates. If it's not there, faith creates it. Come on, church. Amen. When bread and fish was needed on the fire, faith created it. God's own word spoke and Jesus didn't go catch fish and and make bread. Amen. It was provided right there. Come on, somebody. You know that is true. 
Amen. The same thing with the boy and the fishes there. Faith multiplied it. It took that which, which you could not see and made it into beyond a hope. I hope this is enough to feed 5,000. Hope nothing. Five loaves and two little fishes ain't going to feed diddly squat. And that's probably the boy's name. Amen. But let me tell you, friends, it wouldn't, it wouldn't hardly feed him. It wouldn't keep hunger pains from a teenager. But in the hands of God. Yeah. Hallelujah. I want you to begin to see that the word in your hand will also create. Yeah. The word in your hands will also multiply. The words in your hands. Come on. Brother Bradham talked about in the seals of a young girl with leukemia came in for prayer and he said, he said that God healed the child. He said they went back the next day or just within the next week and took the, the child to, to, to the doctor and the doctor couldn't find one trace of leukemia. He said it was a complete new bloodstream. He said, you realize what had to happen? Creation had to take place. Do you realize what had to happen with Sister Lana that one day she's sick, got black lungs, and the next day clear lungs? That was the power of creation. What did that faith in the Word created the world, created new cells, created a new bloodstream, hallelujah, can create life within you. Faith creates, faith speaks, and mountains move. There is not any weakness in our weapon. The weakness will always be found in the hand of faith that holds the sword. In the greatest battle ever fought, Brother Bradham talked about his attack. He said, listen, this close. His attack is what? Disbelieve God's word. That's his attack. That's his attack. What, what do you think the message is under attack? Amen. Because he wants to disbelieve, get you to disbelieve the word. You see, the, the, there can you see the greatest battle ever fought. There's only two forces, Satan and God. And what is Satan's weapon against you? Is to try to get you to disbelieve your weapon. He disarms you. If he can get you to disbelieve, your weapon is equivalent. If he gets you to believe your weapon is not strong enough, he has disarmed you. And he's old brother Neville, I hope we never leave that. Look, he's disarmed you. When he gets you to disbelieve that weapon, when you lay that down, that finishes your fight. You're done. Hold that weapon. Don't you lay it down. Hold on to the word. Don't lay it down. Now listen, God's given us the best weapon ever and it needs no improvement. The world today is always improving what they have. And they're always trying to come up with a new fighter jet or a new bomb or a new uh, missile system or new this, new that. You know, and, and so, he, so here again, the, the enemy... Uh, they will study one another. What are, what are you getting? Okay, we got to counteract that. I don't know what they got to counteract. From what I'm hearing, you know, what, but the, the U.S. is able to 
with the weaponry it's got to destroy the world 19 times over. Make sure it's connected good there, brother. 19 times over. That's what they think, you know, that, that the world uh, that can be destroyed 19 times over. Hey, we just need it destroyed once. But they got enough to do it 19 times more. But then the, the Soviet Union is said to have 28 times more. So you see, again, we are living here on the cusp of the annihilation of the earth. Of course, they can't annihilate it because it's God's earth. And God plans to live here. I know you think about heaven. We're going to go way out yonder and we're going to live out there for millions and millions. Heaven's not our home. This earth is our home. We're coming back here. I'm going to put the devil on notice. We're coming back here for a millennial reign and we're going to take it over again. Hallelujah. And we'll walk out on the ashes of your old kingdom. Because the earth was not created for the devil, it was created for man. God created it for himself to live on. Now, God has given us the best weapon ever, and it needs no improvement. The word that God gave the heroes of faith, they used it, and it conquered their enemy. Every time the word given conquered the enemy. Now, I want you to understand, I'm trying to get to you you have been given a message in this day and it will conquer your enemy. Not just make it where you can live with the monkey on your back, but rather you can conquer your enemy, overcome it and drive it out. I am convinced that we are not to live with our enemies. We are not to share our promises with the enemy. Amen. Hey, I'm not even willing to share my body with the enemy. So, well, Brother Tim, you got this from the birth of the sin and whatever else, and, and it come from the devil. It originally belonged to God. Somebody help me preach. God laid out all of these timbers of this body out on earth and was waiting for me to come. It belonged to God first. And do you know when you receive the Holy Ghost, he's actually giving you a deposit on the redemption of your body? Hallelujah. Say, I'm going to do the soul, but when they've all been redeemed in the soul, I'm going to redeem the body. We're living in the day of the redemption of the body. So Satan, get ready to move. Amen. Now, God at the beginning, Brother Branham told us, gave his children an atomic weapon. He didn't start off with a little lowly 22 or a slingshot or a child's toy or a bow and arrow. God started out with the beginning giving an atomic bomb because he's an infinite God. He knew before the enemy ever come, he knew there would be a conflict. And that's where it was going to be the battle. So he equipped his children with the right kind of ammunition. Amen. So the right kind of everything that they would need that would sweep them all the way from Eden to the rapture. What was it? It was the word. God gave the word. And that word is what defeats Satan. It'll defeat him anywhere, any place, or any time. 
Is that right? So we don't have to substitute for something else. Come on, we don't have to use psychology. We don't have to go up and get a creed of man. We got the word and the word will defeat the devil anywhere, any place, anytime. So why do we want to substitute it with something else? Now Jesus proved the equipment when he was here. Amen. And three times that the devil came to him in temptation. When he, te- when he tempted him with, with lustful temptations of the flesh and of, uh, and of, and of power and, 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 uh, and the pride of life, all of these things that he come against our Savior with. Remember, he defeated Adam and Eve in the garden. Satan did. And he comes here now in the wilderness. And he comes to try to defeat the Lord. And what does he come? He comes with the attack. But what does Jesus do? When he comes in hand-to-hand combat with the enemy, he didn't go and reach for his power. Amen. But he used the weapon that God gave in the Garden of Eden and said, I want to show you if he would have stayed with this, amen, it would have overcome Lucifer himself. And there in the garden, he took the mightiest of all evil angels and defeated him with the word to show you the word will always triumph over its enemies. So every believer has the right then to take the word and fight the enemy anywhere you meet him. Jesus didn't use his great gifts. He didn't use his great powers. He used the word. Amen. So when all out, all out warfare comes and the battle set in a raid, there's only one thing a real Christian soldier can do and use is thus saith the Lord. Combat him with the word. Amen. Go back and tell him what the word says. I mean, it doesn't matter if 10,000 is falling on your right and, ten, and, and a 10,000 on your left. It doesn't matter how it is. Just remember, God gave you the word and you're going to defeat the enemy with it. Stay with the word. Now, so he said to the Corinthians that although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign using human weapons. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which Satan hides. We can demolish every deceptive spirit that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance to the true knowledge of God's word. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist it bow to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Amen. Since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion. Are you ready to take your stand? Amen. I want you to know before we go out into battle, as we go and we contend for the faith, I want you to begin to realize, first of all, that your enemy has been created by God. Is that right? Why is that important? If you know your enemy's been created by God, God's more greater than he is. So he says in Isaiah 54, 16, Behold, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire 
uh, that bringeth forth an instrument for his work. Uh, you know, the weapon the devil's made, hey, listen, I created him. He is a lower being than I am. Amen. And I have created the waster to destroy, so I created my own adversary. Amen. So he's not greater than me. I created him. He didn't create me. Come on. Amen. And then he goes on to say about what the devil is formed against you and says, no weapon. Is somebody with me now? No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue, say it with me, every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. And this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Glory to God, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Their righteousness is of me. It's not their own righteousness. It's my righteousness imparted to them. And that's your heritage. Your heritage is that you have a righteousness that comes from God and that no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you're going to condemn it. Amen. It's a time of darkness. The bride is, I kind of think of her as a young girl going through the dark, evil age and evil and, and, and Peril is on every side. Now I want to ask you, what groom, what groom would uh, allow his wife to go through this alone? We, we hear him say to the prophet of God, don't fear to go anywhere or do anything. The never failing presence of Jesus Christ is with you wherever you go. And I want to ask you today when we're thinking of it, When was the fortress of our God ever left without defense? When was it that God ever left in any any age his people to fend for themselves? Always God was there and on their side. And he tells you in in the New Testament in Romans 8, which we've already quoted, if God is for us, amen. Listen, all kinds of things are against us, but he says, certainly not God. Certainly not God. There's nothing going to separate you from the love of God. Nothing in your past, nothing in your future, nothing in your present will ever cause God to dislove you or dislike you or push you away. Nothing. Hallelujah. In fact, he said, who can lay any charge? Who can really get an accusation to stick? On any of God's people, it is God that declares you righteous. It is God that justifies you. Amen. Now in Israel, when I was there now about three years ago, we toured the the shrine of the book where fragments of the Dead Sea Scroll are kept. And these scrolls, Gave Israel the the right as the original owner. Gave them the title to the promised land. Because it positioned them as predating the Palestinians, the British, or the Romans, or the Greeks. So the scrolls places the Jews as being the owner of title to the land. Don't you understand why it was so important? 
in our day for a shepherd boy like that Bedouin, that little shepherd Bedouin boy threw a rock into a dark cave and heard something crack and went there and found, you know, a, a, a jar holding the scrolls, but, you know, were, were brought forth and brought out into the light for the first time in 2,000 years, which gave Israel the title to the land, and God sent us a shepherd boy, a little guy from Kentucky, Amen. A little preacher from Kentucky, a shepherd boy who took a rock of revelation and threw it down. And, and with that which had been in darkness for thousands of years, light sprung upon it. And it brought to us not Dead Sea Scrolls, but Living Water Scrolls. Hallelujah. An open book brought out to the light. And that gives you the title to this land. It gives you the right to be here. I have a right to divine healing. The open book gives it to me. I have a right to speaking in tongues and gifts of the spirit and prophecy and divine healing, altar calls and prayer lines and everything else in the Bible. Come on, church. We have a right to every bit of it. Because why? Because why? The book being open has given you special title. It wasn't open to denominations. It was open to an undenominational bride. So discovered among the Dead Sea Scrolls was what's called the War Scroll. It describes the war between sons of light and the sons of darkness. And it describes six battles, and in the end, in the seventh battle, Light prevails over darkness. Amen. So in the end, all darkness is to be destroyed and light will live in peace for all eternity. So I want you to know here again, among that was a war scroll. And this war scroll states in there that there would be six battles and the seventh battle, light would prevail. Over the darkness. Hallelujah. I want you to understand, friends, what has been brought to our light in this day and hour is God has revealed to you it's been six ages, but now in the seventh age. They may have lost in other ages. They may have looked like went down in defeat, died like all the others died, but there's a one that light. Hallelujah. That same light to swirled around and a man walked out of it. One day lights will appear. Did not Brother Branham tell you there are unidentified uh, lights? He said that are coming. They're mystic lights. He said, oh, you don't know what them are. But one day he said they'll sweep down and will pick you up. And there won't be no one hide hair or nothing left of you. Amen. But you'll be changed in a moment and a twinkling of an eye. Light will prevail over darkness. We're talking about an age of complete victory by faith. This is why we have to come back to the faith that was once delivered to the saints. I listen and sometimes read of great men in the past, their vision for the future. 
I think of a man, John G. Lake, who they called an apostle of South Africa. And these were the words of his prophecy as he looked by the Spirit and he said, I can see, beloved, I can see as my spirit discerns the future and reaches out to touch the heart of mankind and the desire of God that there's coming from heaven a new manifestation of the Holy Ghost and power. And that new manifestation will be in sweetness and love and tenderness and in the power of the Spirit beyond anything your heart and mind ever saw. The very lightning of God will flash through men's soul and the sons of God will meet the sons of darkness and prevail. Jesus Christ will destroy the Antichrist. In Israel and church, Brother Branham said it this way, I truly believe before the church can have the rapture, it's got to have a rapture in faith. We can't have faith for divine healing. In other words, it, it, now, don't, don't get this wrong. A lot of people get set and uses it for condemnation, and they say, well, if I can't be healed, well, then I, if I can't even get faith for my healing, you know, I got this problem and that, and if I can't get faith for that, well, I can't go into rapture. That's not what he's saying. He's saying if I can't get the church believing for even divine healing, how in the world am I going to get them to believe for the change of their body, which is a massive divine healing from the top of your head to the sole of your feet? So he says, we can't have faith for divine healing, let alone rapture in faith. Got to have a faith that it change and quicken this body and be taken away. I believe there's a church on its road Tonight, a power of the living God that men will speak the word here and there and it'll flash like lightning. A church coming out, not a psychologist, not some of this put on, make believe, but a real genuine anointed Holy Ghost called out church. In the Song of Solomon, which is a love song depicting God and his bride, if you take it in a spiritual term, Solomon describes the church as having adornments of beauty about them. And it makes her so special and set apart from others that it's part of her identity. And I'd like you to look with me to Song of Solomon 4 and verse 4. And this is just one of the descriptions. You know, he tells her, you have, hey, you know, you're, you have um, um, eyes like a dove and uh, he t- tells her of her wavy hair. You know, it's like goats dancing upon a mountain, you know, as it flows down. All the different descriptions. I'm not so sure some of the modern girls today would exactly like to be described like Solomon was describing. But he was using, not Hollywood, but he was using nature. And in Song of Solomon, he talks about her neck. And it says, thy neck is like the Tower of David, builded for an armory, whereon there hung, hang a thousand bucklers, all shields of mighty men. So he describes the bride as having a neck. You know, it's a, it's a, a towering neck. It's not no short neck. It's a, you know, dumpy-looking little thing. I'm not even going to tell you what comes in my mind. Amen, and don't look at me. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, the bride here, amen, is, he calls her like, her neck is like the Tower of David, builded for an armory, whereon hang a, a, a thousand bucklers, all shields of mighty men. 
So he describes this bride as having a long and beautiful neck and he compares it to the tower of David. Now this tower was not a museum. It was an armory where weapons were kept. And there also might be hung the weaponry of defeated foes as well. You know, and so as we think of this, God's bride, he said, is like an armory. She's like an armory. There hangs on her a thousand bucklers, the shields of a mighty man. And I want you to know the bride of Christ is made up of mighty men and mighty women who combated for Zion in their age and in their time. And I want you to know in every age, the word of God was more than enough, amen, to defeat the enemy, no matter how he came. And remember, it would always be in different circumstances because Satan will try this and then he will come that way and then he'll come another. But I want you to know that God always has a word to meet the challenge of the hour. Hallelujah. So we'll turn and we'll look in Hebrews 11.4 and we see by faith Abel. He offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts and by it he being dead yet speaketh. I want you to notice here it was Abel now by faith, by faith, by revelation, by the word of the Lord. He would defeat the enemy in his age. Brother Branham would describe these two, Cain and Abel, coming to the gate of Eden. And so we know that, that there the cherubims are keeping us out. But surely there's a way back in. And there was sin that was done. We need a, a, a remission of sin. And Cain come along and said, it'll be by the works of my hands. And he took the works of his hands and of his labors. And, and people are doing that today. They'll try, they'll try working their way to heaven, doing good deeds, doing all kinds of things to make it heaven. I, I run a bus route and I do this. And I, you know, I give to the poor. I, I help here. And, and the many, many churches are, are Cain's offerings. And that's what they offer is Cain's sacrifice. Sacrifices of works. But you see, Abel had a revelation. He knew it was sex blood that took him out of the garden. And he knew it would be blood that took him back in. He knew the sin that had been done there in the beginning there. And he knew there that there had to be something that would die in his place. So he didn't bring the work of his hands and the labor of his hand, but he brought a life. And he said, a life. God, I'm going to offer a life here upon the altar. And you see, with that sword of God, he actually cut through the darkness of thousands of years to where he could see the true lamb of God coming. Amen. That one day a lamb would come. And he would take away his sins. And this so pleased God. As he looked upon that, he declared, he declared and testified of his gifts by the pillar of fire coming down there and God consuming the, the sacrifice. It was by revelation. I'll tell you what, revelation will take you and let you cut all the way back with the sword of the Spirit. You can cut all the way back through the darkness and see all the way back to Calvary now. Hallelujah, where a lamb has taken your place. Where you should have died and you should have been the one on the altar. 
You should have went to the cross. You should have went to hell, but he went there for you. And now you don't have to go. I'll tell you, that's grace. Amazing grace. If you can get a revelation of that in your heart, you'll realize I don't have to work my way to heaven. It won't be the good deeds I've done. It'll be because of my sacrifice. It's because that he provided the way for me. When you offer that sacrifice correctly, the pillar of fire will come down upon you and consume the old man and fill you with the Holy Ghost. Verse 5 says, by faith Enoch. Enoch was translated that he should not see death. For he was not found because God translated him. For before this translation, he had a testimony that he pleased God. I want you to look the word that received. You say, Enoch had a word? Yes. Jude said that he prophesied, saying, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints. So you see, the prophecy of Enoch was the coming of the Lord. And he would prophesy of the coming. Did you know that? He would prophesy. He would actually write his prophecy in the name of one of his sons, Methuselah. And then Methuselah's name would be revealed. This is the truth. You can find this in the center fold of your Bible in many Bibles. You can find this uh, exactly. Methuselah means when he dies, the deluge will come. Amen. What was it? You see, Enoch was prophesying of the end time. Enoch was prophesying that, the, that there would come a, a deluge. Enoch was prophesying. Somebody help me preach. And he named his son Methuselah. Amen. And left him back as a sign that when he dies, the deluge will come. Now the Jews say, in some of their writings, the rabbis, I don't know where they got it from, if they just made it up. But however, they said, that, that, that when Methuselah died, then Noah entered into the ark. And the, there was seven days of mourning, and then the deluge came. Let me tell you, friends, Enoch had a revelation of a rapture. I'm saying if they could have a revelation of a rapture under the old covenant... What about us of the new covenant? Come on, church. Amen. Enoch was translated that he should not see death. I wonder how many Enochs are there? How many's got an Enoch revelation? How many knows this message is a message to Enoch, the seventh from Adam, the seventh from the second Adam? Don't you realize where we are? Enoch walked with God and was not. No wonder Brother Brandon would preach about the astronaut age because we've had an astronaut in glory and said we called them was nots, they called them astronauts. But Enoch walked with God and was not. Amen. For God took him. Now, so you see, by faith, it was his faith that translated him. I want you to understand again the weapons of your warfare are not natural, they are supernatural. This faith that you have received is a supernatural faith. It's not a natural faith. It ain't even natural to believe what you believe in. Amen. But he had this testimony that he pleased God. The Bible said in verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please God. Jesus said, when I come, 
I'm looking for something. What are you looking for, Jesus? Bunch of church buildings? No, I ain't rapturing church buildings. Bunch of congregation? No, it ain't even going to be congregation going to rapture. It's going to be individuals going to rapture. Is that right? Amen. When I come, what am I looking for? Will I find faith? I'm looking for faith. So again, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For him that cometh to God must believe that he was. That he was there in Brother Branham's meetings. That he was there 50 years ago. That he was there in 1906. That he's there on the day of Pentecost. No, you must believe he is. And that he'll reward you right now. Those that diligently seek him. I tell you, if I were you, I'd be knocking on the door. I'd be seeking and seeking again. I'd be asking and asking again. I would say, God, I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. You got me on your hands. I'm not letting go of the promise. I want to be filled again and again and again and again and again. When men took women such as they chose... There was marriage and divorce and remarriage while others took women. Enoch walked with God. He had a testimony that pleased God. Verse 7. By faith, Noah. You see, in every age, it doesn't matter. The weapon never changes. The weapon of our warfare is always a supernatural something that comes from God. Enoch got something supernatural from God. Abel got something supernatural from God. You know, again, Noah's faith was not natural. It was a supernatural faith. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen, yet moved with fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness which is by faith. He, he became the heir of righteousness by faith because he believed. Now, Noah, the weapon he had was manifested and visualized in a boat. A boat that would crest every wave of judgment. All the judgment waters. It would ride over the top of it. I don't know about you, but I want to ride over every wave of the judgment. Everything that is against me, I want, come on, every weapon against me, everything coming against me, I want to ride over the wave of it. Right on top. I don't want to sink beneath. I want to go over the top of it. Somebody help me preach. Noah had a boat that could crest every wave. Amen. You see, evil, it's come so bad in Noah's day. There was marriage, divorce, remarriage, a spirit of lawlessness in the land. The Bible said it would happen again. So we would see the days of Noah repeat. In fact, of the matter, it would be not only the days of Noah where there were marriage, divorce, and remarriage, but men would actually lose their, uh, their, their uh, natural use of the woman and go with men with men. Is that the Bible? Romans 1 tells you that. And so it would bring a Sodom age. So all in the same ages we have the, the days of Noah and the days of Lot. So we have a heaping up of judgments. All the judgments of the ages heaped up to this, into this generation. 
the evils of all the ages coming right in here as the forces are gathered against us. And if that wasn't enough, God said, okay, Satan, bring them all. I've had some of them bound. The Bible speaks of it in the rivers of Euphrates. But he said they had been chained there and held back and they were waiting to be released in the last days. And all hell turns loose. Hey, it isn't going to get any better. Amen. It's going to get worse. Well, we'll get another politician. It'll only get worse. Well, we'll get a Republican. It'll only get worse. We'll get another Democrat. It'll only get worse. And if you think Biden was bad his first time, he'll be worse the second time. It'll be double the evil because now he'll have the bravery to do what he wouldn't do in the first. We're living here in an evil age. Amen. Amen. God said, I want you to do something. I want you to make preparations for this. Here's the way to escape this and ride right above the judgment waters that are coming. I want you to take some gopher wood, something that will soak up liquid, something that is porous. And I want you to cut down an evergreen and I want you to line it with pitch. Now, pitch uh, comes from pine tar. By heating pine wood, it's an evergreen at a really high temperature without letting it catch on fire until the, until the life of it bubbles out. Amen. That's what God did. He took Christ, the only tree with eternal life. Amen. All the rest of us didn't have it. But this was one tree that was an evergreen that had eternal life. And he took and he cut it down at Calvary, put it through the fiery trials. Come on, church. And out of it came the tar, the life of God, to feel our poorest nature. Hallelujah. That's what he did. He took, he took the gopher wood, the poorest nature. Amen. The poorest nature. Are you with me? And he took and put the life of the evergreen into there and it made an impregnable defense from the waters of judgment. And I tell you, when God takes your poorest humanity and he fills it with eternal life, the power of the Holy Ghost, he makes you an impregnable defense against the judgment. You have passed from judgment unto life. Hallelujah. If God would do that for Noah in his day, God would do it for you in this day. Amen. If God had gave it for Noah and his sons, the young people of that age, God would give it to our young people in this age. The promises unto you and to your children and to them that are far off, I don't care how far you stray. Amen. It will reach out. Hallelujah, it'll reach out into the brothel. It'll reach out into the bar room. It'll reach out into the, into the thins of sin. It'll get them wherever they are. It'll bring them to Christ. No, I want you to build this ark. And I want you to build it with one door. And everybody's got to enter through that door. And that door is Jesus. Come on, somebody. You can't come through Confucius and you can't come through any other thing. The only way you can come is through Jesus. I am the way, the truth, the life. 
Notice, build it three stories high. First level, repentance and be justified. Amen. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they'll be white as wool. How far will you remove our sins, O God? As far as the east is from the west. Amen. Your sins will be in the depths of the sea. Hallelujah. And God puts up a sign and says, no fishing. Nobody has a right to fish for your sins or my sins. Amen. And maybe they ain't found the depth of the sea and they're still going. But whatever, let me tell you, church, you'll never find them. Hallelujah. Because God built you, hallelujah, to be a sinless bride to whom righteousness was attributed to. It wasn't something you earned wasn't something you deserved. It isn't something you get by reading your Bible and praying on your knees or crawling down and doing penance. It comes by grace. God doing a simple trade. I'll give you my righteousness for your sins. Hallelujah. Amen. I'll make a trade with you. I'll take your sins upon me. And give you back my righteousness. Second level. Three levels of the ark. Second level sanctification. Oh, washed in the blood of the lamb. Amen. Third level baptism of the Holy Ghost. Is that right? Amen. And one window in the whole ark. And where's it at? In the top. Because when you get the Holy Ghost, the only way God wants you looking is up. Hallelujah. That's exactly what the way, listen, when you, when you are steadied in Christ, when you're anchored in the Holy Ghost, when you know who you are, you quit looking around everywhere at all the other problems and you get your eyes toward the heavens. By faith, by faith, Abraham and Sarah. So there in this tower of David hangs the faith of Abraham, weapons of mighty men. By faith, Abraham. You know, I love it. I love it when we look over in Revelation 19, when he says, let me, let me just look, 19, about 19, verse 6. I didn't plan this, so just a minute. Let me just see. Throw it up there on the board. If it's not that one, I'll tell you another one. Yeah, so there was a voice of many waters. That's great. All right, and, and I heard the voice of a great multitude, the voice of many waters, the voice of mighty thunders, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Watch now. Next verse. Let us, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife hath made herself ready. Next verse. And to her was, oh, she worked all her life. She, she, she did, you know, she made peanut brittle, paid the church off. She slaved in the kitchen. She did, no, she, what to her? Granted. You know the difference between her and those others that are robed in white over in the, under the, under the sixth seal? It is, it is they, they washed their robes. Through works, they washed 
their robes in the blood of the Lamb. They did works of righteousness, and it got them to the white throne judgment to be judged according to deeds done in their bodies. But that is not your lot. Hallelujah. But instead, there's a royal grant been given to you. Amen. That you should be arrayed. Hallelujah. In fine linen, clean and white. For fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Listen, I am not here dressed in Abraham's failures. I'm not here dressed in Enoch's past. Enoch had days of his life. He didn't walk with God. 65 years that he didn't walk with God. 300 he walked with God. What about that past? That past didn't keep him out of the rapture. And their past is not going to keep you out of the rapture. you worked harder. It wasn't because you were better at it than somebody else. It wasn't because you prayed more. It was because God granted that you would be arrayed in fine linen. Clean and white. For this is the righteousness of the saints. Hallelujah. So this bride is dressed in the righteousness of Abraham. The righteousness of Enoch. The righteousness of Noah. The righteousness of Abel. Hallelujah. Amen. This bride is adorned. Listen, church. Everything that was in there was speaking about you. Somebody ought to shout it right there. Hallelujah. My watch is wanting to know if I want to call emergency or just say I'm okay. I'm okay. I did not fall. And furthermore, I ain't gonna fall. (laughs) I got something better than the watch looking after me. Amen. By faith, Abraham, it's not his failures. His failures wasn't what God looked at. He looked at his faith. We're not going to be dressed. Oh, I lied like Abraham. I'm dressed in the lies of Abraham. You know, he lied about his wife and he lied. He, you know, he, he. And so I'm a failure. No, you're dressed in the righteousness of the saints. I, I don't like the way you did that, brother. Well, I don't care. I like it that way. I like to think that what the faith Abraham had, I have. The faith Enoch had is mine. The faith Abel has is mine. I'm trying to get you to see the weapons of your warfare are mighty. And by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out to a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whether he went. Huh, sounds like us. Have you ever been in a rapture before? No. Do you know how to change these dimensions? No. I got a little view of it when I changed dimensions down at the altar. Went from a sinner to a child of God. That was a change of dimensions. But no, I've never been to that land. But I, I, I know there's people that has. Amen. 
And he went to, when he's called to go out to a place which he should have to receive for inheritance, obeyed. That's one trait of Abraham. He'll obey the call of God. Notice he went out not knowing whether he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promises in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him of the same promise. And he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I'm still looking for that city. Hallelujah. You know why that we look for a city? Because we met the builder of it. Hallelujah. That's why Abraham could look for a city. He met Melchizedek, the priest king of the city, the new Jerusalem. Amen. You have met Melchizedek. You have been in the presence of God. Therefore, you know there is a city. Look for a city which hath foundations, whose builder makers God. Through faith, verse 11, also Sarah herself receives strength to conceive seed. Her strength came by faith. As her faith increased, as her faith muscles grew, from weak, given up, old Sarah, Sarah who had given up long ago, to a Sarah now that's starting to believe. Come on, this time is not a hope. This time she knows. Oh man, before, you know, Abraham said, I heard from God, Sarah, we're going to have a child. Would he mention my name? No. Well, uh, okay, well, well, Abraham, Abraham, you heard from God again? I see the glories on your face. Yeah, what did he say about me? Didn't say nothing. He just said, you know, we're going to have a child. Abraham. Well, how do you know it's me? Well, I, he said, Abraham, so you're my wife. So she had to figure out a way. He said, well, I can't do it. So I'll get another one who can. So she tries a, a denominational system with, which causes heartache for everybody. Come on. Amen. And, and so again, you know, here again, she goes all these times. But now... At the appearing of the Son of Man, where the word comes in its fullness, it knows your name, Sarah. Sarah shall have a child. Amen. Not Hagar. Oh, that Hagar's child. Ishmael lived before you. I'll bless Ishmael. I'll bless the denomination. Even some of them are making the white throne judgment out there. Some of those people there that were innocent and trapped in those things, they'll make it out there. But I'm not... That's not what I wanted. I never wanted denominational Christians. I wanted word-born, supernatural children that were not born of the will of man or the will of the flesh, but of God. That's what I wanted. One day he called her name. Now then, her faith becomes united. Now I know it's not for somebody else. Do you ever have your name called? It means something. For your name to be called. Amen. It means something. It means something. Your name gets called. And, you know, as I've said before, you know, I've went down in airports and here a lot of times, you know, so-and-so meet your party at so-and-so. You know, so-and-so pick up the the red line phone there and and answer, we have a call, it's an emergency. So-and-so and so, so, you know, I, I walk right through, never paid attention. But one day I was in the airport and, and it happened to be that 
Somebody was coming in and they were late and they wanted me to have a message that they were late and they would be arriving an hour or so later and, and, and it, gives a, it gives a call out on the intercoms that Tim Pruitt, Tim Pruitt, come to a certain desk. We have a message for you. Brother, I'll tell you what, all the other times I ignored the message. Wherever I was going, I kept walking right on, just going on, minding my own business. I didn't care what the message was. I didn't care if they was getting a million dollars. I didn't care if they was getting a free flight to Japan or, or, uh, to, or, or Korea or wherever they wanted to go. I didn't care what vacation spot they were getting. I was going somewhere else and I didn't care what their message was. It wasn't my message, but one day I heard my name called. Hallelujah. You may go right on. The message may sound over and over and over again. You may keep walking where you're going, but brother, it called my name. It turned me around. It headed me back to Calvary. It brought me to the cross. It brought me to Christ. And it gave me eternal life. When he calls your name, it makes a difference. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, he offered up Isaac, and he received the promises, offered up, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that an Isaac shall thy seed be called. And Abraham accounted that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. He said, there when a, when, when, Abel, when Isaac was raised up off of that altar and a ram put in his place, it was in like figure of the resurrection. And he said, he said there when he was tried, he offered up Isaac and received, he that received the promise offered up his only son. He was his only son. But he judged God faithful. Come on, church. Abraham's faith actually spoke a realm into existence. For here he was there at the foot of the mountain and Isaac said, well, Lord, my father, here's the wood and, and here's the, 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 the fire, you know, but where is the sacrifice? And Abraham said, the Lord himself will provide the lamb. Hallelujah. And there at the foot of that mountain, amen, all of a sudden there was a ram there caught in the thicket by the horns. Amen. What happened? God did the same thing. He took there and put, put his own ram into the thickest of humanity and there, there in the place of his power tied it up so he could become the lamb of Calvary. What a mighty God we serve. If you're Abraham's seed, you have the same faith that Abraham did. The same faith that Abraham had comes to us by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The reason you can't believe in divine healing and call those things which are not as though they were, or, or that is the reason you can believe, rather. You can believe in divine healing and call those things which are not as though they were because God said so. Because you're seed of Abraham. Amen. By one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. We've been made partakers of the same blessing. The same power, the same faith dwells in our hearts that dwelt in Abraham. 
The same faith that was in Abraham holding a promise just before the destruction of the Sodom world in, the, in, in Lot's day, that same faith can draw that same angel to this building and do the same things that he did then. Hallelujah. Amen. By faith. As we walk through this armory for a moment and we look up here at the display of the power of God through the ages, we look there and we see, by faith, Moses. By faith, Moses. And we can look and we can see, what? A rod? You mean a rod? That, that's our weapon, Lord? This is what's going to defeat, yeah, I'm going to use that to defeat the mightiest army in the world. Think of it. Look here in this armory right now. And here's just a stick, a rod. Just a shepherd stick. Something there to walk along with, to lean on. And I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to defeat the mightiest army in the world with that stick. Hallelujah. Use that stick, Moses. And I tell you what, you know the God of the Nile that all of these Egyptians worship? I'm going to make it die. Because you see, I've got to prove to Israel that after these 400 years of hearing how great the gods of Egypt are, I've got to prove them there's no God like Jehovah. You see, all of these years they've been looking, our God, you know, he just sold us as slaves and our God can't deliver us. And yeah, it was Abraham's God and yeah, they did. But no, and here they just cripple along. All the while, these powerful gods of Egypt and look at their money and look at their wealth and look at their, uh, look at their armies and look at their power and their gods have made them power. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to start right now and I'm going to show you there's no God like me. In fact, Moses, you have the power of binding and loosing. Woo. Hallelujah. Did you ever hear that term before? Whatever you bind on earth, I'm going to bind it in heaven. Walk right down to that sea and turn it to blood. Make it die. And everything in it dies. Hello. Amen. Well, we're still not going to believe. Well, I'll tell you what, then I'll do something else. I'll show you this. Let, let me show you the gods of the fly, old Belzebub. Belzebub is a big old fly. And we worship him in Egypt because he keeps the, the insects away. Well, I'll tell you what, this God has, a, has power over your God. It's because he can make flies come until there are a, a, a billion flies per square yard. You know, I, there's, there's enough there in, my, in this power of God. I can create and bring locusts and cause everything to be eaten up. Your God is not able to keep them away. Because when I say come, I'm the Lord over them. When I say go back, I'm the Lord over them. Come on, somebody. Amen. God was showing Israel that the gods of Egypt were absolutely worthless. And that there was no one like Jehovah. 
Hallelujah. So one by one, by one, by one, until finally he smites Pharaoh, who is the God of, Israel, of, of Egypt again. And he smites right in his own house. And Pharaoh can't keep it away. By faith, Moses whipped the whole things, the whole armies of Egypt with a stick. It was a rod. It was a judgment rod. He said, whew, wish I had that. And Brother Branham said, every believer's got that. He said, that rod was no more than the name of Jesus. Come on. Amen. And every believer's got the right to take the rod, the name of Jesus, lift it over your enemy. Come on. And every enemy has to bow to the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. If it's a Red Sea in your way, it's got to give way. Amen. The Egyptians that you saw, well, you will see no more. You're not serving the enemy no more. You're, you're not slaves anymore. Come on. Let me tell you, we got to ditch our slave mentality and realize we are the children of the promise. By faith, Joseph, when he died, he made mention of the departing of, of, of the children of Israel and gave this commandment concerning his bones. You know, it was a horrible thing living there under bondage. Sin pays its wages. Because of the sin of the brethren that took them down into Egypt. And God turned it around and made Joseph a savior out of it. Same with us. Our sins made a savior out of God. So here, here again, you know, Joseph leaves his bones behind. What a weapon to use against the devil. Were that every one, after they have been beaten and scourged, because they didn't get their allotment of bricks that day, because they showed up late, because of a hardship in their home, because, you know, everyone that looked and they're crying because their daughter was raped and molested by an Egyptian lord. Everyone that was in this horrible condition and they walk by and they look over there. Oh, Joseph's bones. You know what that meant to them? One day we're leaving here. Hallelujah. Amen. One day we're leaving here. It was putting a faith in their heart. We're not always going to be slaves. We're not always going to be in Egypt. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Amen. So they would walk by there and they would see, there's Joseph's bone. And he said, one day, God is going to visit you and you're going to take these bones out of here. Oh, hallelujah. You ought to, you ought to look away today at an empty tomb. Amen. That empty tomb says that ain't all of us going to go there. And even those that have went are going to come out. Hallelujah. Amen. You ought to be able to look at that. No matter how beaten you are, no matter how much trouble you have in this world, no matter how many temptations you face, no matter how much the devil has flogged you this week, you ought to be able to walk by and look away to that empty tomb and to know that our Savior isn't there, but he rose and conquered death, hell, and the grave. Hallelujah. By faith, Moses, when he was born, they saw him as a proper child. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. 
Think of this. Walls of Jericho. You know, as we look here at this impossibility, impossibilities, you know, things God expects us to believe in the impossible. And if we look at the type of them going into the land, you know, leaving the wilderness journey and going into the land, you ought to be able to place yourself in that position today. Because we are the people who left denominationally Egypt and God has brought us out and he's took us and brought us into that land. And in that land, of course, you know, is, is Jericho. Jericho is, it, it's a, looks like it's impregnable. I mean, it, I mean, they race chariots on top of it. It's so thick, it's so high. Nobody's ever conquered it. Amen, it's an obstacle that's in the way. Somebody help me preach. Amen. It's there. You know, it's, it's the daunting thing. And God says, listen, first thing I want you to do is learn to be quiet. I want you to quit talking about how big your problem is and begin to realize how big your God is. Amen. I want you to quit looking and focusing on this. Just... Be still and know that I'm God. You know, God sometimes just tells you to shut up. I've heard you cry. He even said that to Moses. Why do you cry to me? Speak. Speak that to go forward. Quit talking your negativity. You people, you've got to learn. You know, negativity destroys faith. You be negative toward your children, you destroy their faith even in their own selves, even in their own talents and their abilities. Amen. You speak positive. You build them up. Even preaching is edifying. It's building you up. Is that right? Amen. So again, you know, they, they march around at seven days, but God, this don't make sense. But what I want you to do is on that seventh day, I want you all to shout. And I want you to praise God before you see one wall or one stone come off that wall. Hallelujah. You see, that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to quit looking at the negative, look at how great he is, and begin to shout before you even see the promise manifest. And when they begin to shout, their walls begin to fall down. You want your walls to fall down? I'll tell you, shut up the negativity. Shut it up. Amen. And get your eyes back on Jesus. Hallelujah. You may be a Peter that has been called to come and walk on your water. But I tell you, if you have sunken and you have fallen, that's not the end of you. Get your eyes back on Jesus. Cry out to him. He'll put an arm out to you and lift you up again and make you walk on your waters twice. There are some of you in this building, God wants you to walk on your water again. Hallelujah. Amen. It's time for you to have some victory in your life. Faith is the victory that overcometh the world. God's trying to give you some faith. Look in there. Look at what has been down to the ages. By faith, Moses. Uh, by faith, Moses. By faith, Joshua. Look at all these promises. Look at a man who would, who would, who would dare to speak the impossible. He runs out of time 
when, when he's in a battle. He said, I need a little more time, Lord. So I tell you what, sun, you stand still over here. Moon, you stand still. Whoever thought of ever speaking to the sun and the moon? But I'll tell you, when you begin to, be, begin to look at your impossibilities and see them as possibilities, when you begin to speak against your problem, come on, church. Amen, come on. Oh, he's four days dead, but even now, Lord. He stinketh even now, Lord. All these circumstances are there. Yeah, we're not denying they're there. We're not denying there's a wall. We're not denying nobody's ever spoke to the sun or moon. We're not denying. But this is a, this is a new day. This is a new day in Israel. This is a day where a man dared to take God in his word and say, Son, you stand still. Moon, you stand still. Oh, how did it do it, Brother Tim? I ain't worried about how he did it. I just know he did it. Amen. Don't matter to me how he did it. He did it. Look like foolish words. They always do to people who have no faith. By faith, Rahab the harlot perished not with them that believe not. When she received the spies with peace. You see, it was her faith. Her faith. Her faith. Her faith was no longer in her city. Her faith was no longer in the Canaanites. Her faith wasn't in the wall. Listen, listen, let me me tell you something, church. You know, the devil is a boaster. And he's a braggart. Somebody help me preach. He's a braggart. Amen. But he's really a scaredy cat. I'll just show you, it, you know, let me, let me show you. When, when Moses said Joshua and Caleb and, and the other spies that come back, all them others brought an evil report. They talked about how they looked. But here's how, what they really look like. Let's go to Joshua 2 and 9. And she said to the men, I know, I know the Lord has given you the land. And your terror has fallen upon us. Woo! Amen. Now, you know, we worry about the devil's terror. No, the devil was saying, your terror, we're afraid of you. Your terror has fallen on us and all the inhabitants of the land faint. They have gotten weak because of you. And we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you. And when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og and and, uh, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is heaven in heaven, God in heaven above and the earth beneath. Listen, church, they already was worried. He had the devil on nerve pills. Amen. They were already having to take tranquilizers to sleep at night. Amen. Because why? They had heard there was a God in Israel. They heard of his marvelous work. The devil has heard. Listen, when Brother Brandon would begin to discern and say, you have cancer, wait a minute, it's calling out to help for that one that has cancer. And he would go back and forth and he said, what is it? They're screaming for help. 
Amen. What was it? It had disturbed Satan's kingdom till he was screaming for help. I tell you, if you can get the bride to believe it. Amen. The devil will start screaming for help. Come help me. Somebody help me. Somebody help me to cause him to disbelieve. Your terror has already fallen upon the devil. Amen. Listen, Brother Brandon said before one rock ever come out of the building of the walls, Joshua around the walls was shouting the victory because by faith he saw the victory. We got some odd things in this armory. Some spectacular weapons that don't look like much to the natural eye. Because our weapons are not natural. They are supernatural. So we look there and here, according to this, the Bible said, by faith, Samgar. So we got now a cattle prod. A cattle prod. That's the weapons of Israelites. That's the weapons of God. That's the weapons of a, a, a stick and a cattle prod. You mean a couple of sticks? You know, just something to poke the, the cattle there to keep them moving? I don't know. You're probably not a farmer. But, you know, when we, when we hooked something up to a cart there and you wanted to move, you just gouged them there in the thigh. They flinch and they move forward. Yeah, you keep them moving. A cattle prod. And so, you know, here again, I want you to understand, Shamgar, listen, this is, you've got to get this down in your heart. Shamgar did not have to wait for year and year after year of being some starvation and his little kids in a dying condition and unhealthy and, 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 and starving every year because the enemy, the Philistines would come and, and, and steal from him. He did not have to wait one time. In fact, God never was waiting for the right time. He was waiting for Shamgar. To realize I am a seed of Abraham and getting mad enough. Come on now, you've got to get mad at the devil. Brother Branham actually said, Brother Joey, it's a gift of God to get mad at the devil. He said, that's why some of these gifts yell at the devil and tell him to go and he's got to go. Hallelujah. You didn't know you was gifted that way, but you're gifted, Brother Joe. Amen. What is it? It's a gift of God. Yell at that devil. I'll not take you one more day. Not one more day of starvation for my kid. Not one more day. Hallelujah. He didn't have much in his hand, but he looked over there and there was an ox goat. And he said, this is good enough. Amen. He killed one. He got another. He killed another. He killed another. He killed another. He killed another. I tell you, it's time you take the word of God and start slaying your devils. You say, I'm waiting on the right time. The right time is when you realize I'm a seed of Abraham. I'm a child of the living God. And I've got a word that's even greater than Chandler had. Look at what's in your hand. Hallelujah. The word of God is alive. Amen. It's powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. 
funny things in this arsenal that God has. A jawbone? What do you mean a jawbone up there? Who in the world would put a jawbone for a weapon? Well, let me tell you. You see, Samson got caught out one day all by himself. You know, that's the way the devil likes to do you. Get you all caught out by yourself. Now, Samson wasn't no great strong boy. No, he was rather a shrimp of a man, but he was a seed of Abraham. Don't underestimate little men with big faith. Amen. I'd rather have a little man with big faith on my side than a big man with no faith. Amen. He was a shrimp of a man, but he was a seed of Abraham. And when he got bowed down by the enemy, oh, here, here, the enemy wanted to destroy him. The spirit of the Lord would come upon him. You see, what his real secret of his weapon wasn't the jawbone. His real secret was a hidden power within him. And that hidden power was because of a covenant with God. Now, in that day, he had a sign as a Nazarite that he was to be, um, that he was in covenant with God as a holy person separated to God. And there he had seven locks upon his head, which represents the Holy Spirit for seven ages. So he's got enough for every age. Hallelujah, there's power for this age too. Are you with me? Amen. Now, from birth, though he was a little runt, he was from birth in covenant with God because he had a visitation. His mother had a visitation of an angel. And I want you to know that the message you received in this day came by the visitation of an angel, the angel of the Lord. Now, now, so there, there, you see, he had, he was a little runt who from birth was, was in covenant with God. And that's in the New Testament. Paul attributes that now to the woman. And he says that that's what long hair signifies on a woman, that from her new birth, she is in covenant with God. Amen. And that, and that um, the Bible said it's a sign on her head that she is subject to her husband and that she is the glory of the man. Amen. Now, man wants to identify as women and wants the glory of the long hair, but the Bible said his wife is to have the long hair and have the glory. And the glory of any Christian man would be a wife that is holy and submitted to God in his word. That's a real Christian. Now, so Paul further states that because a man is in God's glory and in his image that he should cut his hair because it's a sign he's in covenant with God. So Samson now is born under a covenant. He has a sign of that covenant. And he is raised up to destroy his enemy. Now, I got to tell you, the Bible tells you that the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And there will be a people that has been raised up in the last day that has been set aside as holy unto the Lord who are under a covenant with God. 
Come on. And what is their task? To defeat even death itself. So whatever that disease is, the trouble, the problem, the sickness, the devil, the, 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 the spirit of the enemy, we're on our way to get the biggest of them. Amen. The serpent's going to be bound in this age. Amen. There's some serpent binders. Hallelujah. Amen. That serpent that Eve let loose in the garden, amen, is going to be bound by a woman in this day. Hallelujah. She's called the bride of Jesus Christ who will stump him under her feet. So God called you to be serpent fruit bruisers and devil defeaters. Amen. But Samson's strength wasn't because of his own power. He was just a meek little little shrimp of a guy. No muscles. He didn't go to the gym. Get big guns. Got to prepare here for this. You know, he was a shrimp. And what he had was a hidden power. And in the time of conflict, the spirit of the Lord would come on him. And here come a lion in that was going to eat him up before his time. You know, the devil can't take you before your time. Is that right? And so he comes there, you know, prematurely to bring some old devil upon you, some old lion to try to take you. Come on. Amen. But like he did our sister Lana, some lion to come upon her. Amen. Try to take her prematurely. But God had more plans for her. Amen. And what happened? The lion got killed. Because a hidden power raised up out of Samson and defeated his enemy and just tore him apart. Hallelujah. The next day he comes by there and there in the ribcage of that lion is a honeycomb where the bees have built a nest and he reaches down and eats honey out of the lion. I'll tell you some of the sweetest honey you'll ever eat is when you get a victory over the devil. Hallelujah, that's some of the sweetest honey you'll ever taste when you get a victory. God just wants you to have some honey. Hallelujah, I tell you, there's been some real sweet honey. We've licked that honey quite a bit. When we talk about Sister Lana's victory, Brother Gary's victory, Amen. When he was a dying man, the reason why this church was built was because of the inspiration there in a hospital room where God raised him from a deathbed to a strong man again. Hallelujah. Because why? God said, I will restore, saith the Lord. It don't matter how impossible things mean. God is God. Now, in God arsenals, there's some odd weapons a new jawbone of a donkey. And he just reached down and found what he could find. He was caught without a weapon. But it didn't matter the weapon. It mattered because he was in covenant with God and had a hidden power. Amen. I don't know what scripture you'll pick up this morning. I don't know what part of this sermon you're going to get. But you're going to get something out of it. Amen. It may look like a new jawbone, but let me tell you, whatever it is, pick it up. Take that word and begin to kill and fight the Philistines until you heap them upon heaps upon heaps upon heaps until there's a thousand dead ones laying all around you. And then you get exhausted sometimes from fighting devils. 
Jesus did. After his Mount Temptation experience, he got exhausted. The Bible said he was, he was weak. He was a man. Come on, somebody. And there, angels came and ministered to him. Amen. There, there, with, there with, uh, with, with him, with Samson, he began to look at that jawbone. And he began to think... I'm so thirsty. Am I going to die of this thirst after I killed all these Philistines? Now will I die? And now, I, But look here at this promise. It killed a thousand Philistines. And all of a sudden, as he began to look at his victory, out of that victory, he'd become water running out of that. And he drank out of that victory and was revived. Hallelujah. I'll tell you, there's a lot of victories in Evening Light Tabernacle that we ought to reach and drop and drink from this morning and realize we can have revival in our hearts and our lives. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He called it the spring of one calling. Amen. The spring when God brought a response to his prayer. After being thirsty. Oh, I got to hurry up in this arsenal just for a moment. Three fireproof vests? What in the world is that about? Well, there was some young people down in Babylon who wouldn't bow, who wouldn't bend, and who wouldn't burn. Hallelujah. Are you with me, church? Amen. That there that day they were thrown into there because they would not bow. They would not listen to, hey, there's going to be somebody in this age. If there was an overcomer, if that age is going to be overcomers in this age. Hallelujah. You say, Brother Tim, it's a lot of fire all around you. I'm going to tell you, there's still one here. Amen. There's more than you here in this fire. There's a fourth man in this fire. You won't smell burnt. There won't be nothing scorched on you except for the bands. That's the only thing that gets burned in this fire. Not you, not even the smell of smoke, nor your garments or your eyelashes singed, nor your hair burnt. Somebody help me preach. The only thing that this thing is going to do is loose you. Go ahead and put your fire. Heat it seven times hotter. Amen. For we're in the seventh age. We're going to get seven times hotter. Get it as hot as you can, devil. But all it'll do is loose my bonds. Hallelujah. All it'll do is let me walk around in this fire with the fourth man. All it'll do is reveal the son of man to me. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. Daniel, this time it was a wall of fire that lions couldn't bite through. Amen. Because the word of God would defeat the devil any place, anywhere, anytime. Oh, my. Brother Branham screams out in one of his meetings, and he says, God, rebuke that devil that's hindering you, these beautiful little girls. May the power that raised up Jesus from the grave cast that thing away and never bother you no more. I say that in the authority of God's word. You have to get angry with the devil. God gives us the victory. We've got to have it right now. This is a victory that overcomes the world. Well, I see God 
uses some of the most insignificant things. A child's toy? A boy's sling? Five little stones? Hanging up in this arsenal? In this Tower of David? Where God hangs his mighty, the mighty shields of his mighty men? What? A slingshot? You see, David, you look at it, you say, I might have belonged to a boy. That's what they all think of him. Only a boy named David. Only a shepherd's sling. Shepherds wasn't very important. Sling, five stones, belonged to a boy. A boy. I remember that when I was a boy. And I found the scripture when they tried to marginalize me and say, you can't preach because God don't call more than one out of a family. And you can't preach because there's too many chiefs now and not enough Indians. And you can't preach because you're too young. And I found a place where he told Timothy, Timothy, let no man despise your youth. So I refused to listen. And I preached. And I preached. And that's been 53 years ago and I ain't quit. And you wonder every time, every time I preach if he's ever going to quit. Will he ever run out? No, I ain't never run out. Hallelujah. Are you with me, church? Amen. Oh, but you know, the devil will try to marginalize you. Make you feel insufficient. You know, you know, you're just a nobody. You're just, God can't never use nobody like you. He wouldn't have called you. You know, some of you young people, You've got such a complex about yourself because of a little zit on your chin or little imperfection that you actually have to sneak up to a glass of water to get a drink out of it. You know, your complex to you is so big. It's so big that, you know, that I, I, well, it's larger than you are. Well, I, I'm nothing. I'm a nobody. I can never be. You know, that's why some of these boys, they hit a certain age trying to be something. They begin to act silly. It's because they're trying to prove their worth, get an attraction. You know, it, it's just a stage they go through. But, you know, yeah, thank God to get out of it. <laughs> After a while, you begin to realize, you know, you don't have to be something you're not. Just be yourself. Be what God made you. Amen. Be happy with God, what God made you to be. Amen. No man can make himself taller. Nobody can, nobody can make himself, uh, you know, any other way than what God made you. Just be happy. Hallelujah. So David got him a sling. So all the while that he's out there, he's preparing for one day to be something greater than he is. But right now, he's just going to be good at what he's got. 
That's what I'm trying to tell you. Amen. Be the best God has at wherever you are in your stage of journey. So he would take his little slingshot, and there he would imagine there's a, there's a Philistine over there. Ah, well, that went way to the left. Let's try this. That one went to the right. Okay, let's figure out how to position it this time and exactly what tra- trajectory to get it at when I release here this time. And finally, finally, you know, he's here. He's, he's hitting at this imaginary enemy and this one and this one and this one. And this. You know what God's doing? Preparing him. And one day, you, you know, sometimes you think, well, I pray. It didn't look like nothing happened. Well, it might have been to the right. I prayed. Might have went to the left this time. Keep praying. Keep swinging stones. One day you're going to learn how to hit the target. Amen. But one day here come a real adversary. It was a lion. And it was going to get his father's sheep. So what did he do? He took that what he had been practicing with. Listen, don't wait till calamity comes to learn how to pray. Amen. You want to be spiritually built up? Read and pray. Read your Bible and pray every day. Amen. Be in a state where you know you're God and you know how to reach heaven. And there in that moment, he let a stone loose and slew a lion and he went and cut his head off. Then comes a bear and he slays a bear. What was the, those victories were only preparing him for another victory. I want you to know that every victory you have had is only preparing you for another and another and another. It's causing your faith to grow. Faith what? In your weapon. Until when, uh, when he comes there and, and he hears Goliath, he said, well, I've been waiting for you a long time. I've seen the bear and I've seen the lion and I've slew them and I got them. Now, I've been waiting all my life for this Philistine and I ain't going to miss. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Brother Bradham said he didn't pray up. He was already prayed up. You know one thing, he had already been anointed. Now at his anointing, at his ordination, Samuel looked with natural eyes and said, Eliab, he's tall and handsome and good looking and woo. You know, he, here's the king. And God said, don't you look at natural appearance. Amen. Don't you look at natural appearance. You, you, you look at the heart. And so he keeps going. And looking for that heart. He can't find one right. And he goes down through, I think it was seven sons, comes down to the eighth. And here he comes down and, and he said, aren't there any more? Yeah, we got one. But he was too little to call. He just wasn't good enough. You know, his father even thought, he's one of them special kids. He, all he'll ever be is just a sheep raiser. You know, he didn't see Laying in him was a potential. Amen. You know, that's the thing. The devil can't really see your potential. But God can. And God wants you to begin to see your potential. Are you with me? So David, he's out there. He's practicing. He's preparing. He's getting ready. He's he's even starting to play music that will run devils off. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. He starts preparing for real worship. 
Amen. To be a real leader of worship. Be the psalmist in the Bible who will write under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost who knows how to get in the Spirit. And because he's going to need to get in the Spirit when he walks down on that battlefield, because his ability is not going to bring him through, but I tell you there, there was a hidden power down on the inside of David that came by the anointing. Oh, if I could get it down in your heart this morning, you're anointed. Amen. Oh, if I was anointed by a prophet, you were anointed by a prophet. What do you think God said to you in this day? Amen. He poured the anointing, the Holy Ghost out upon you. Let me give you the Bible to him that overcometh your age. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne as I have sat down with my father in his throne. Hallelujah. The overcomers of this age get the the throne. You are anointed to the Amen. Then where is the devil that's going to stop you? Come on now. David is anointed to a throne. He knows that the word's got to be fulfilled. He knows the anointing is upon him. All he's got to do is put the anointing to work. Hallelujah. He takes there and takes those five stones, J-E-S-U-S, and he puts one of them in there, and there he gets ready there, and brother, he begins to whirl that around, but there's something different this time. Hallelujah. There's something different. There's something coming from an anointing. Amen. And first thing you know, when it, when it begins to get in that arm, hallelujah, it begins to get in that arm, something is released out of that swing that goes there a, th- a thousand miles an hour. Hallelujah, supercharged rock. And he hits a Goliath in the head and it brings him down and he takes his own sword and cuts it off. And he lifts up that. He lifts up Goliath's head. To show all of Israel, your enemy is dead. Now help me come and fight the rest of them. Hallelujah. That's the way we ought to look this morning. And we ought to realize Jesus took the head off of the devil. And the rest of us ought to get in the battle and take our sword and go against the enemy. Hallelujah. The anointing is upon you. The spirit of the Lord is upon you. You are the anointed bride of Jesus Christ, anointed to take the word of God for this age. What more could I say of these things? Oh, the scripture is so full of it. We could look up here and there's a stinger of death in this that is hanging in this as a memento and a reminder that Jesus has already defeated death, hell, and the grave and pulled the stinger out of the devil. And he's a defeated foe. He is absolutely has no weapon. And no matter what weapon he would come against you is only propaganda because he is a defeated being and you are more than a conqueror. We could go down through this now. Just for a moment. Give me just one more minute. I'm sorry. As old as I am, I just can't get it all in an hour anymore. Think of it just a minute. What was that? What was that? that came down 
when Brother Branham was in Sabina Canyon, when he was standing up giving praise to God as the sun was coming up, something hit my hand. And he said it just fit the handle, everything. Listen, I know, I know, I know the deities among us, they want to make that just for Brother Branham. But listen, when Moses got the law, it wasn't for just Moses. Amen. When he went up into the mountain and he got the word of God written there with his finger upon the rock, that was not for Moses alone. That was for the people. Amen. And if it fit Brother Branham's hand, it represents the bride. It fits your hand. There is a word that perfectly fits you. It is this third pull. It is the bride's revival. What is this sword for? To knight people with or, you know, to put people in, in important positions and, and this and that, and, you know, make denominations and anoint it. No, he said it's the king's sword. It's not a king's sword. It is the king's sword, the word of God. Somebody help me preach now. Amen. Let me tell you, that word, amen, that sword, there was power in it. Can somebody help me preach a moment? There was power to create. And squirrels came into existence. There was power in that word, amen, that will control storms. Amen. And control atmospheres. Hallelujah. That's why I believe that this word will create atmospheres in a church. When an atmosphere of the Holy Ghost comes, a supercharge of faith can come. It'll cause a little woman like Hattie Wright to scream out and kids get saved that have been sinners. Come on, church. When the super anointing comes down and sweeps down, what will it do? It'll cause a fish to come to life. It'll cause tumors to come out of a body. It'll heal the sick. It'll raise the dead. It'll save the lost. It'll provide for every need that you've got. That's what lays in the king's sword. Your weapon is not carnal. Your weapon is not natural. Your weapon is a supernatural weapon. Hallelujah. I want you to understand every time you see where God holds the sword. Tell me where he holds the sword. Come on, look in the book of Revelation and tell me what comes out of his mouth. A two-edged sword. God holds the sword in his mouth. Amen. The word of God. You don't have to go to heaven for it. You don't have to bring it up from the grave. The word of God is near thee. It is nigh thee even in your mouth. It's the word of God that we speak. Take the word and put it in your mouth and speak against your mountain. Speak against your wall of Jericho. Shout against your wall. You got a wall in front of you. Go to shouting. It's coming down. You are seed of Abraham. Amen. You say, I've got a financial wall. I can't get around it. I can't get over it. I can't, I can't get under it. Hey, but I'll tell you, it'll come down. You're going to glorify God and shouting about it. God's going to bring that wall down and I'm going to pour out blessings on you. Hallelujah. Amen.
The blessings of the Lord are upon you. I'm going to close with this scripture. And I'm going to go to a scripture over here. In Deuteronomy 28 and verse 1. I want you to leave from here realizing that in this arsenal is all the blessings <coughs> and the courage of, and power of God. Lays there in every promise. It didn't matter if it was a flood in Noah's day, if it was the, the worldly women in, in Enoch's day, if it was... If it was the spirit of darkness there after the fall in Abel's day, whether, whether, whether in, it was a mighty army in Moses' day, whether, whether it was a, a barren woman in Sarah's day, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. There was always the word to defeat the enemy. And I want you to go away from here this morning if you take nothing away. Because a lot of times I will ask different ones, what was your takeaway from the service today? I want you to take this away with you home. The blessings of the Lord is upon you. Those feelings of unworthiness is an enemy of faith. You are not unworthy. You instead are a son or daughter of the Most High God. You say, well, I was an unworthy sinner. Well, that's not who you are now. You are now a new creation in Christ Jesus And when God creates something, he don't make junk. So you're not junk. You're not that that trash heap of humanity the devil wants to make you out to be. I can't. I'm not able. I have all these feelings of unworthiness. In fact, it's totally different. You are blessed. And it shall come to pass, if thou hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God deserve and to do all of his commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee and what? They're going to run after you. They're going to chase after you. They're going to actually overtake you. Hallelujah. If thou wilt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field, and blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, and the increase of thy kind, and of the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shalt thou be thy basket and thy store. Hallelujah. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in and blessed thou shalt be when you go out. I mean, you can't help but be blessed going in, coming out, wherever, if you're in the field, if you're in the city, wherever you are, you're going to be blessed. 
And the Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face, and they shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee in seven ways. And the Lord shall shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thine hand unto, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth unto thee. And the Lord shall establish thee and holy people unto himself, as he sworn unto thee, if thou keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his way, and all the peoples of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods and in the fruit of thy body and in the fruit of thy cattle and in the fruit of thy ground. In the land the Lord swear unto thy fathers to give thee. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heavens to give rain unto thy land in its season. And this is a season of both the former and latter rain double portions of the Holy Ghost and to bless all the works of thine hand and thou shalt lend unto many nations and thou shalt not borrow and the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail and thou shalt be above only thou shalt not be beneath and if thou wilt hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God which I command thee this day to observe them and to do them and thou shalt not go aside from the words which I command thee this day to the right hand or the left to go after other gods to serve them and it shall come to pass if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all his commandments and statutes which I command thee this day and all that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee and all these blessings are now reversed and become curses. You can stop right here. I don't have to read any further. I'm going to read no more because I'm declaring to you that none of these curses, I said none of these curses belong to you. Why? Why, Brother Tim? Because they only had one birth in the Old Testament and their heart could go a whoring, but not yours. You have a second birth and in this birth he gives you a new heart, a new desire, a new spirit, a willingness to do right and then he says, I'll put my spirit in you and will cause you to walk in my statutes and my judgment and do them. Hello? Hello? I'm telling you, Jesus became your curse when he knew that you would fail. When he knew you couldn't keep the law perfectly. When he knew somewhere you would trip up and disobey. Somebody help me preach right now. Amen. God said, I'm going to do a work on the inside and it'll not no longer be an external law of don't do this or don't do that or I'm going to curse you and you're going to have this curse and this blessing will follow and all of these things, but I'm going to fix it where that you will always be blessed. It's only going to be turned one way. That's blessings towards you. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Because I'm putting my spirit in you to make up for what you couldn't do and live in you the life you couldn't live. So now all the blessings of Abraham are yours and every promise in the book belongs to you. No curse belongs to you. You are not a cursed people. You're blessed in the field. You're blessed in the city. You are blessed in your business. You're blessed in the fruit of your womb. You are blessed and you're going in and you're coming out. Amen. You can't look any way except where you're going to be blessed. Hallelujah. Amen. You've got to begin to look at the promise in the right way. The weapons of our warfare. I'm putting a new weapon in your hand. It's the weapons of the blessings of faith. Amen. Oh, Brother Tim, I didn't do this right. My kids turned out this. In spite of what you did wrong, God's going to reach out and save your kids. I didn't do right and I, I, I made some mistakes in spite of what you did he's turning the curses into a blessing that's what the cross does he takes the blessings that was supposed to be that, that you weren't supposed to get and puts it on you and takes the curses you were put to, supposed to get and put it on the devil Do you realize, Brother Branham said, with the transfer of the blood, that the blood does such a work that the sins that the devil made you do, he turns around and he puts back on your adversary and your devil. The devil is going to go to hell with your sins. Are you with me, church? Amen. He's the one that's going to be punished for it. Not you. You're freeborn. You're not slave. You're going to be blessed in this land. Every way you look, you're going to overcome your enemies. Your sword ain't going to do no good in the scabbard. Get it out and put it to work. The jawbone's no good on the ground, Samson. Pick it up and kill with it. The stick is no good sitting up against the wall in the house, Samgar. Go defeating enemies. Stick's been there all the time. Every time the enemy came, the stick was there. It was when you realized you was the seed of Abraham. That's when you began to kill the enemy. Samson, it ain't your power. It's that hidden power on the inside. Now, Brother Branham would take that sword and he says, he would preach in why little Bethlehem. And he would say, David just got thirsty in the battle. And he said, you know, these old mud puddles ain't here, ain't cutting it. I can't hardly swallow this stuff down. And it's not quenching my thirst. Oh, if I could just drink. If I could just get some water 
from that well of Bethlehem. Well, that happened to fall on some ears of some mighty men. Men of faith. And there was about three of them that heard that and said, you know, just a desire is a command. All I had to do is hear my king. He ain't king yet, but he's coming king. And when he comes, I'm going to reign with him. And I tell you, if he has a desire for water, I'm going to go get it. And they fought through 15 miles of Philistines and got that water and fought 15 miles back and brought water a drink to their king. And Brother Brandon said, I'm here standing in an awful place. He said, our Lord is coming king. But what warrior today that can see he's coming to power will go and get him a fresh drink of Pentecostal waters and bring it back to him and offer to him a fresh drink, a drink for their king. I want you to know, friends, God gave a weapon in your hands. Fight whatever you got to do, but bring your king a drink. I want you to fight through your complexes, fight through your problems, fight through that unbelief, fight through the darkness of this age. But whatever you do, bring a drink for your king, a praise and a glory to his name. God's calling for men and women to stand. Amen. I got a new recruit right now. I got a new recruit right now. A new recruit that I'm going to induct into this army. Come here, Elijah. I'm going to induct this one right here into this army. Son, today you're going to take on the name of Jesus Christ. You're going to be a warrior for what's right and a warrior against what's wrong. You're going to stand for truth and for righteousness. How many believes that? How many believe with me? Amen. That as we baptize him in the name of Jesus Christ, we're going to, we're going to baptize and we're going to bury the oil Elijah and there's going to come up. There's going to come up a new creation to walk in the newness of life. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I anoint him with the spirit of the living God. May the Holy Ghost come upon him and abide from me with him from this day on. Lord, as I dedicate him as a little boy now, Lord, I'll baptize him in water in the name of Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit come upon him. He's repented of his sins. May the Holy Ghost come upon him and he become a part of this army in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go make preparations. Go meet one of the deacons there. Amen.
God has been good. 
Yes, sir. Oh, yes, sir. 
would sing that song, I would not be denied. Amen. Amen. When pains of death seize on my promise of God. Amen. As I baptize this and I want you to think of some of yours that are out there in the world that the Lord's going to get a hold of. Amen. It could just be a, in a moment, in a moment, God changing a life. Amen. It just as I said the other day, you know, a, young, a, a man just gave his heart to the Lord and been away from him for years and years and years. But here he turned to the Lord and when he did, you know, it was because the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, son, it's time to come home. Amen. God's calling. God's moving. He'll move upon your children in a supernatural way. Suddenly, things are going to turn around. Suddenly, immediately, begin to look for the promise of God. Amen. Elijah, you repented of your sins and down there at the camp, my, we had outpouring after outpouring of the Holy Ghost they come upon, your, upon the lives of so many young people. I know your life was touched. There at the camp, we usually baptize between 20 or 30. This year, there was only one because most of them went home to be baptized. And this is one of them that came here to the home church to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Brother Joe just came back from a meeting that was so stirred by the youth camp and the follow-up meetings and the ministry there getting inspired and, and then, then the Holy Spirit moved and 32, 32 in total were baptized or rebaptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God baptizing them with the Holy Ghost right there in the water, being filled with the Spirit of God. Amen. Elijah, the Lord Jesus sent me to the world to preach the gospel and he commissioned me to go into the world Baptize them that believe in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. In obedience to that divine command that you commanded us to do, I baptize you, Elijah, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen. Praise the Lord. Oh, God is my 